Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, a forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together they cover the Twin Cities. This combined dynamic duo has sold over 2,000 homes. Ranked in the top 1% nationwide, top 10 in the state of Minnesota, and still have time to get together every Saturday to talk about real estate. Here's Abby Prasky and Chris Rooney, Denny Law, and the Real Estate Radio Hour. Yes, indeed. We are back at it on another Saturday in CCO Land. We're talking real estate, always welcoming your phone calls and your text messages. Uh, well, I see Andy over there. Special Good morning. Guest. And Chris, uh, you guys aren't fighting or anything, are you? No, on, uh, Chris is at a washed-up realtor convention right now down in uh, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> a washed-up realtor. I, I mean, uh, I mean, an innovative technology oh, convention. Okay. Well, yes, Chris. Chris is on the. Horn. What happens when you've been in it twenty-eight years? Oh, I yeah. know. They send you down here. Yep. How about that. Well, it's good that that you guys could make it. And I know you have a special guest today. We're going to be talking about disclosures. Uh, and, and again, inviting our listeners to join in on the conversation. But before we get into that, uh, I always like to ask you every week how uh, your respective weeks uh, have been in real estate. Well, you know, Denny, I'll uh, kind of take the run on that. It's It's been a interesting fall, to say the least. I know Chris and I keep watching the historical numbers. We're looking at year over year. Inventory is is down, and that's you know, we're sitting at about 12,600 and some houses on the market right now, which compared to last year, there was like 14,000 something, I believe, at around this time. So the inventory is tighter. Um, we're seeing less sales and uh, things are generally a little slower than we would like them right now. And I think that there's a couple key things that, um, you know, might be contributing factors, but I don't think they're made. I don't think they're permanent, you know, downturns. I don't think these are um, hey, we're heading back down to 2008. I, I don't think that's what's happening. I think we're just seeing a distractionary market. There's a lot of things happening in the world. There's a lot of things happening um, just in our personal lives, and, and people are a little distracted, I think, is the word I'd, I'd yeah, like to hold to. Yeah, that's a good word. That's a good word. And, uh, and, and then, um, but, you know, it, it's, still, it's still a great time to be a buyer, and, and people have been hinting around that it's maybe a buyer's market again. I don't know if we're quite there, but we're, we're, we're definitely seeing a balanced market where there's, you know, people that want to buy houses, but they have to be a good deal. All right, Chris, yeah, Denny, what do you yeah, think? Well, you, Denny, you recall when we, all September we were talking about, hey, the market's not there, it's not there, and everyone yeah. was saying, oh, my gosh, it's awesome, it's great. You know, but I, I'll tell you what, week number two in October is kind of um, what I've been waiting for for that fall market, that it's finally starting some we're, – we're getting some action finally. Um, got listings that haven't had showings for, you know, a month that are getting multiple showings now and getting some offers again. So I think – you know, distractionary, I think that's a, that's the perfect word for this. But I also think that, 
you know, the fall is always, it really is a good time. I've always, I look back on my sales over in the fall and I always get some good traction later in the fall because it just, people slow down in their life. And I think once you get past all these hurricanes and fires and North Korea's and all that kind of stuff and, you know, getting your kids in school and blah, 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 you know, that, hey, we better buy something now or else we're going to miss it in the spring again. Yeah, good point. All right. Well, I mentioned at the top of the show that, among other things, we'll be talking about uh, uh, some disclosure issues uh, throughout pretty much the hour. We're going to open up the phone lines to any kind of real estate questions, certainly, but uh, zeroing in on that. Uh, guys, can we make a definition or something of what, what what's the whole what's a disclosure issue? You know, that we uh, I always tell everyone that that is the most important piece of paper that you're going to fill out during your whole transaction because that's really the piece of paper that people go look back at and see if there's a problem if you didn't disclose something you know Andy we have that we have that issue a lot where maybe someone forgot about something you know and then hopefully it's caught in the inspection or something ahead of time but if it's caught too late and it's after the closing then it's people like Anton that come in and uh, have to solve those disputes right yeah no and I agree Chris I think that there's I, we as a real estate um, industry, I think, need to really emphasize a little more importance on the disclosure. I think a lot of us, we, we sign the listing paperwork and we throw it across the table and say, hey, fill this out. So before we list, we got this to tell the story. And, and I think there needs to be some explanation when we hand that disclosure over that we really need to do our fiduciary responsibility as listing agents to really make sure that they understand the magnitude of what they're, what they're signing. And, and spending the time to understand that this is, this is the document that can get you into trouble. You know, when in doubt, disclose it out. I always say, you know, and, and all of those key things that we jokingly say, but it is that person's making a buying decision based on what you're providing them um, to, to allow them to make that decision, right? So th- that is your story of when you've lived there, how you've lived there, and, and then that's guiding them into making their offer. Um, and, and if you guide them incorrectly, people get upset about that, and then sometimes there's consequences to that, and that's where – you know, this even leads into arbitration. Like if you're, you know, if you're buying a property and you're, you're agreeing to arbitrate, but what if you are wrong and now you're limited to the arbitration amounts and the windows of arbitration. And so most attorneys will tell you, because you should seek a legal opinion, in my opinion, um, that, that sometimes you need to waive arbitration, even though it seems like the easiest way to come to a resolution, you can always agree to arbitrate later. And so we we're going to kind of get into some of that as well. Yeah. And you know, when you have arbitration as well, you can still have the help of an attorney at your arbitration case. It's just kind of how it's, uh, how it's handled. But there is a couple types of disclosures, too, that are offered. And uh, one's an alternative disclosure statement, which, uh, what, Anton, why don't we bring in Anton? Anton Cheskis, by the way. Yeah, Anton Cheskis with Prior Lake Law. And uh, Anton does a lot of uh, real estate work and has got to uh, scour that uh, disclosure many times. <laughs> So, Anton, why don't you explain to us the different types of disclosure and who has to do them? Sure, Chris. Thanks for having me. So under, I'll give you the legalese first, I suppose, and then I'll try to unpack it and explain in English what that means. The uh, regular standard uh, disclosure um, under Minnesota law, sellers are obligated to disclose to buyers in writing all material facts which a seller is aware of that could adversely and significantly affect an ordinary buyer's use or enjoyment of the property or any intended use of the property by the buyer that the seller's aware of. So in English, um, the easiest way to, that I explain that to people is, what do you know about your property? What's happened to it that might happen again? 
and what would you know or if you were buying your property what would you want to know about that property mm-hmm. if if you know something like that put it on that disclosure form that's the regular standard disclosure that we use in Minnesota yeah. and then there's an alternative disclosure and when would that be used sure so sellers in Minnesota can opt out of disclosing a lot of that information that the seller knows about the property um, common way that they do that is through a waiver. That's available on the uh, seller's disclosure alternative form that the Minnesota Associ- Association of Realtors puts out. So times that that would be used is if you didn't live in the property, if um, you inherited the property and you haven't lived there in 30 years, um, or you know if you, if you live there but you've been a landlord for 10 years, for example, that'd be a good time where you'd want to say, you know, I don't really know a lot about this property I'm going to use this alternative disclosure form. Well, you know, Anton, that it's an interesting uh, concept of what you're saying, who should be using or who, you know, applies to the most. And where I see it used more frequently than anywhere is when you have the investors that are trying to flip a property and they just don't want to disclose what they know. And so they've renovated that house, they've ripped open those walls, and then they want to do a disclosure alternative. And it's it's just, I struggle with that as, as most real estate agents do, knowing that they know as much as they do and they're not disclosing anything. So, what, how, how do we guide our buyers that, that are getting the disclosure alternative? I mean, is there, is there a route of remedy that we can get before we agree to agree? I mean, is there, how, do you, how do you dig deeper legally um, with, with a seller? Sure. So, you know, buyer beware on all of these, right? And if, if I'm a buyer and I see a seller using a seller's disclosure form, or excuse me, an alternative disclosure form, red flags should be going up right, right away. Um, and it, the question is, why are they using that form? And especially if it's a flipper, they should know enough to do, a, to do a regular disclosure form. So if they're not, do as much due diligence as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get complete inspection reports or get a complete and thorough inspection. Check the history of the property. Check what permits were pulled. You know, talk to the neighbors even. Um, you know, houses get reputations. So mm-hmm. if the house, um, you know, if the neighbors have seen a lot of contractor trucks or, you know, pest control people at the property, uh, there's a good chance they'll tell you that. But you know, in my opinion, if it's a flipper or a regular seller that's using an alternative disclosure form, be prepared to take a discount. Mm-hmm. How about on the other side of, let's say, we're going to try to protect, we have a seller that's a flipper. Um, and kind of, you know, from a realtor standpoint, how what we, sh- we should be recommending to them to try and, uh, you know, cover their basis. I, I had one that I did a deal on, and I thought it was just fantastic, is that this, this flipper took um, pictures ongoing of the whole place. And so then we were able to see them. So you saw the when the walls were open and then filled back in. And I thought that was a real good way of doing it. All right. Tell you what, hang on, Chris. We're going to take, oh. a, take a break. We'll come back and uh, chat more. And also, if you have a real estate question, we're talking about uh, disclosures. And if you have a question about that uh, or any real estate question, 651-989-9226. Or send a text and we'll grab a couple of those too when we come back. That number is 81 81- Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And welcome back to this portion of our real estate show around every Saturday in the uh, 10 o'clock hour. Uh, Chris is on the uh, phone with us uh, today. Andy's in studio with special guest, Anton Cheskis, who is a lawyer. And uh, I know you guys have always said you cannot answer 
tax, or legal questions. Well, right? and that's why we're excited to have Anton here because we can actually, if you do have questions, and now he has to do a disclaimer after I say stuff like this, but uh, we, if you do have legal questions, you know, send them to the show today because this yeah. is your chance to actually get those questions answered. Um, and, of course, if you can't get to the show or if you don't want to ask on air, you can always message us as well, and we'll get those questions to Anton, and he can get you an answer here within a couple of uh, days. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'm, Saturday, I, uh, I'm, I'm happy to do free consults. Just a quick disclaimer, I'm uh, not here representing anyone specifically today, so we can, uh, we can talk in general terms. But if you have a specific issue, uh, feel free to contact me through our website, priorlakelaw.com, or you give me a call, 952-447-2131, and we'll sit down and talk about your specific case. Uh, you know, before the, we broke, uh, Chris, you kind of posed a question. Maybe you, for those that just join us a little late, repose that question if you would. Yeah, I was just thinking that, you know, from a flipper standpoint, if I'm a seller and I'm a flipper, what are different ways that I can protect myself on that disclosure statement of exactly what Andy had kind of said, you know, that think they're hiding everything on everyone? Well, so a good way is to use the alternative disclosure form. You know, again, the you have that option under Minnesota law if the buyer consents in writing to not disclose a lot of things that you know about the property. Um, having said that, you've still got to disclose certain things such as, private wells on the property, uh, radon levels. There's a couple others that are uh, right on that. Um, methamphetamine, I think, is one of them. Methamphetamine right? production is yep. one of them as well. Yeah, it's, those are right on the uh, seller's disclosure alternative. But you can opt out of that as long as the buyer consents. Now, right. if, on the flip side, if I'm a buyer and I'm buying from a flipper, I want to know what happened to that house, um, what work was done on that house. So, you know, again, if, if you're the flipper in there and you know that you took out a load-bearing wall, for example, or – um, you know, you removed mold. You know, those are all things that you should be disclosing if mm-hmm. you're going to do a disclosure. Well, and Chris, you know, one of the things we as agents have, which which is an interesting um, catch here, if, if the listeners are really reading through the fine print, if you ask the real estate agent, the, the real estate agent that's the listing agent, regardless of what the seller signs, has to disclose all material facts to buyers and buyers agents. So like if there's um, for an example, like if I knew the basement flooded and my flipper is flipping that house and they put it up for sale with an alternative that says that they're not telling anybody that the basement flooded, but they ask me, I have to legally disclose that. That's my obligation as a real estate agent. Absolutely. The agent has a separate um, disclosure duty from the seller and that this, the agent's duty cannot be waived. So even if the seller is using an alternative disclosure form, the agent uh, still has that obligation to disclose any material facts that the agent uh, himself or herself knows about the property. And that goes to the intended use of the property by the buyer as well. If And the times that I see this the most is if a buyer is buying the property as to rent the property out as a landlord. A lot of cities in Minnesota have uh, separate rental license requirements that go above and beyond just general home ownership requirements for the property. So agent or seller, if you know that the buyer is buying the property to rent it out, and it's in one of those cities that has those requirements. If you know your electric isn't up to code, for example, you got to disclose that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rooney. Yeah, no, that's, a, yeah, that's a great <laughs> point. You know, Back to that whole water issue in the basement, the realtors really have two choices. Number one, they have to disclose it or they don't list it. It's right. that simple because their code of ethics uh, requires that. And uh, yeah, so that, but I, I, I really thought that doing all the photos, kind of like a, you know, from a beginning to end was a great way in which to do it. And we can also, you can also have a third-party inspection as well. If you have a question and you want to send it via text, that number is 81807. We have a few of those guys. 
Uh, here's one that came in a bit ago. How long is a disclosure good for, and what at what point does it expire? Hmm. Sure. So claims under the disclosure are good for two years from the date of closing. Um, there's still some other claims available to a buyer uh, that are common law claims like fraud, for example, that are longer than two years. But if you're going to make a claim specifically under the disclosure, it's two years from date of closing. Okay. Another text says, uh, what if I forego an inspection and rely on seller's disclosures only? So there's a that's a really common misconception, I think, that people have about these disclosures. The disclosure is not a warranty. Okay. So if someone's disclosing to you that there was a problem there was, you know, an HVAC issue three years ago and they had someone out and look at it and they did a uh, patch job or whatever they did, if it fails the day after you bought the property, there's no warranty specifically tied to that disclosure. So Again, buyer beware. Um, get a good inspection, not just you know from anybody, but someone that you know has a good reputation. Well, and remember the seller, Denny. They're they're not a housing expert. They yeah. they just just because you own a house doesn't mean you know how to work it or maintain one. And they're just telling you what they think that you might want to know or that they think is relevant to the disclosure. And so say that that's that's their story. Now it's your job to dig and investigate, verify, quantify, and validate what they're telling you that is true. And that's by using professionals, inspectors, uh, maybe contractors, um, like like we were talking about Anton was saying earlier, which is a great tip, is go to the city and see what permits have been pulled on that property. Because if they're talking electric and there was never an electric permit pulled or there was never a plumbing and you know that they did work, those may be things that you want to dive into a little deeper, hire a plumber, electrician to come in and validate, you know, again, verify that the, the work that was done is adequate to code. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, let's, uh, it's time for a break just about here, so why don't we do that? We have another half hour of the show to go. If you do have a real estate question, especially if uh, you want to talk about disclosures, 651-989-9226, or send us a text, 81807. We'll pick up on more text messages when we get back as well. Again, that text number, 81807. 50 degrees right here on CCO. Good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our real estate show. If you want to get in on the conversation, 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807. If you're just joining us, among other things, we're talking about disclosures, disclosure issues. Uh, Chris Rooney's on the horn. He's out of town, but he's uh, with us uh, on the uh, phone. And uh, Andy and uh, Anton are, are in studio. We do have a lawyer in the house now, right? Yeah. You guys? So if uh, yeah, if you do. have... Who can answer your general uh, general uh, legal questions? Because these guys cannot. So take advantage. Take advantage. We, we will. We're just not supposed to. Denny. You're not supposed we, to. Uh, I got you. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Text. And by the way, we do have some text messages. Eight one eight zero seven. I know. Before we get back to the text messages, uh, uh, Andy, you wanted mm-hmm. to bring bring up a topic. Did well, you we were we were kind of curious with you know on the um, when you when you you sign a purchase agreement. There's the disclosure statement. And then there's the arbitration. Being there's an attorney in the room, I always look at both of them and, and they're kind of, you know, simultaneous. I'm surprised they're not on the same form, to be honest with you, because it, it comes down to where you're agreeing to how you're going to disagree if you ever disagree in the future with your arbitration. There's limitations on it of money and, and time. And yet there's a disclosure um, really comes down to where if somebody's misleading somebody, it's a fraudulent um, item, which is there's no statute of limitations on fraud, but there's a statute, there's a uh, well, there. 
There is right. a statute of limitations, but it's longer than what the uh, it's Minnesota. Right. It's six years from right. the date right. of discovery or that you should have discovered the fraud. And how do you discover the fraud and legally document that? So let's say I'm into the house for two years and I discover it, and now I'm going to go after this person. You know, I'm under the window of the arbitration agreement, but now I realize, holy cow, this is bigger than this. I mean, am I bound to the arbitration agreement, or am I in a situation where I can appeal, or what? What are we, where are we at? You know, it, it well, it'll depend on the specific arbitration agreement, especially for the contractor. Um, you know, the the new home builder um, arbitrations, if they're trying to limit the uh, amount of damages um, or something like that. But generally, the best way to document is photographs, um, testimony. You know, people don't keep diaries anymore, but you know, keep a mm-hmm. daily journal of things you're things you're noticing, um, in a photographic journal of. You know, just what the issues are. If you're going to, if you can't wait to give them notice and give them an opportunity to cure um, everything that you've done to fix the problem, um, mm-hmm. and then I would. So sort, create a story. Absolutely. And, and document it. Absolutely. Okay. I think some people find too that you know if the, if there is an issue, they won't. They don't want to do nothing about it. Don't touch it. Don't don't mess with it. Don't do anything. And then they sit there for six months without it being done. But <clears throat> you can certainly. Get it fixed. Just document it and take lots of photos. Right. Well, mitigation of damage. I think that that's that's a term that's used a lot with building, where your sink is leaking and you let it leak for three weeks before the builder can get out there. They're not paying for the the damage from it leaking for three weeks. They fix the item that was broken. So what they tell you to do is, hey, shut off the water, mop up the floors, try to get that water off that wood. And and what's interesting is, is to me is that a lot of people think that well, this is their problem, so they better come fix it. And it's your house, it's your problem, and they're going to help you remedy this down the road. But ultimately, on the spot, you got to fix it and take care of it yourself. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, you're the one in the property. You know, you're the one that has to live with whatever issue it is. Now, on the flip side of that, you know, the law ends up being a double-edged sword sometimes where the if you go ahead and take the onus and repair whatever the problem is, uh, the seller is going to say, well, you didn't preserve the evidence. We don't really know what was here <laughs> um, at that time. So, you know, the the best counsel I can give is give them notice immediately, opportunity to cure, and if you're not getting anything from them pretty quickly, go ahead and you know make the imminent repair that needs to be done, document everything that you did. Mm-hmm. I have a text message here that came in a few minutes back, uh, and it's, it goes like this. Are things like questionable materials in construction required to be in the disclosure? A lot of new houses are built very cheaply, the texter says. Mm. Boy, um, that one's tough. You know, I, unless they're using, um, you know, bronze-aged uh, tools and uh, methods, um, you know, I, I don't really know what your obligation as, you know, if you're just a regular homeowner, um, you know, what your obligation is as far as that goes. Now, if, you, if again, if some of those materials have failed in the past, you know, now you've, I think now you've got an obligation to disclose what that failure was. I, I can spin that a little bit, Denny. Sure. So, so let's say that you have a builder that's been around for 25, 30, 50, whatever. Yeah. And they have a, a furnace that they've been using. And the furnace, every eighth year, kerplunks on them. And now they have a history of knowing that the furnaces that they're installing are, are you know, wearing out at eight years. And that's where I say, okay, now, now that is a material fact. If you're still installing that same furnace, they should be telling that buyer, say, hey, the furnace I'm putting in here is only going to last you about eight years. And, and there's an argument there because they can always say, well, we follow the warranties and it's not our fault that so many of these have failed. But technically, if you think about this, that, that's a material fact. I mean, that's something that your past clients are having a problem with. And how are you going to address that with the new buyer? And, or siding, same problem with siding. You drive some, through some of these older neighborhoods and you'll actually see where the siding 
on certain builders' houses are faded, and the builder next door does not have faded siding. It's a less quality, like that. I think the texts are saying, is that the somebody paid so many dollars per square for the good siding, and somebody did not. Mm-hmm. And so it's you know there's there is a difference in the quality of the materials. That's a good point. A lot of these are subjective, right? It depends right. what you know based on your experience in that property um, or with that property when you're making that disclosure. And just before I forget, uh, reminded me that this is an ongoing obligation that you have as a seller. So. Generally, these disclosures are done at the time the purchase agreement is signed. But if something happens between that time and closing, you got to give another disclosure. So if you mm-hmm. have a, some water intrusion in between that time, or um, if the HVAC goes out, anything like that, um, you got to make a supplemental disclosure, or otherwise you're going to be on the hook. Yeah, because the real estate agent is usually the one that makes you do it. So you sign your listing paperwork, you fill out that disclosure, and then you know, like you're saying, that's that, that's amazing how this summer a lot of people listening uh, had this hailstorm that came through. And a lot of people still have the old disclosure, and I'm like, well, didn't you update it with the, you know, the hail damage or who's the contractor, who did the work? And you know, the thing is, is this: a lot of people don't feel like they need to share that. Hey, you're looking at a house that's brand new, new siding, new roofing, new windows, new whatever. And but a buyer wants to know, wouldn't you agree? I mean, isn't that only fair to provide that Absolutely. information? Best rule of thumb is if if you were buying your house, what would you want to know? Yeah, good point. So let's go to the yeah. phones. Lee in uh, Brooklyn Park has been hanging on. Go ahead, Lee. We're listening. Yes. I live in Brooklyn Park, and I don't know if you guys are familiar, but they're going to uh, make a freeway from the 94 Exchange up to the 610 Exchange on 252. And I've been to a couple community meetings and read some stuff, and it sounds like they're going to take my house. I've been here uh, 29 years, and I wonder what kind of price they have to give me for my house, the assessed value or market value, and do they have to help me move and all the above? That's a great question. So now you're in uh, the condemnation world, um, and it, it'll really depend on if they're going to – well, it'll depend on many things, but it'll depend on, number one, are they going to um, just take a portion of your property, like take an easement over it, or if they are going to condemn the entire property. Uh, if they do that, there's specific um, statutes they have to follow. They've, you know, they've got to get you an appraisal. Um, it's got to be you know, fair market value, I believe, mm-hmm. of um, the – highest and best use for your property. Um, and at that point... I've been you- through a few of those too, Anton. And uh, they're, usually the owners end up pretty well on those. Yeah. You know, because you can fight the value as well. Yeah, well, that that's right, Chris. And we we actually ended up with... Um, I was an expert witness on a, on a literally like a mock trial almost where there was several homeowners that came in where they widened the road and they, they took away most of their front yard. And there was the argument of how did it affect their property values and it, it does. And the thing is, is that they do the, – the, remember this. They're trying to provide for the better good of the community. And so they, they, they feel that they need to have a bigger road in there and they have this, you know, the laws of eminent domain and all these other crazy things that they can apply. But what ultimately ends up happening is they're trying to also provide something for you too and you're, they're trying to take care of you and that if you spend the time and you feel like you've been wronged, it is very important for you to, to seek professional help and have people looking at what the true fair market value is of that house – the cost to get you out of there, the cost of moving and up, uprooting you at, you know, um, you've been there maybe a while and you, you don't have any intention of moving, but now you have to move. So those are all, um, you know, things that there, there are laws to protect you for sure, Lee. All right. Thanks, Lee, for the call. 651-989-9226. We're getting more text messages. That number is 81807. Here's one that came in. Uh, Do I need to disclose neighbors that will affect the enjoyment of the property. That mm. is police calls, noise, dogs, et cetera. Mike Rooney. 
<laughs> like Chris Rooney, I think. Uh, what, uh, um, yeah. No one knows where I live. <laughs> yeah. You know, again, it's it's really subjective. Um, it it really depends on the uh, the level of disturbance. You know, if if there's boy, if I was buying a house and there's neighbors partying till uh, three in the morning um, every night, you know, I I'd sure want to know that. Um, and that's you know that's a good. Uh, on the flip side, if you're a buyer, talk to your neighbor, talk to the neighbors mm-hmm. in that neighborhood, um, see what that neighborhood looks like, and uh, get a good sense of not just that house but that neighborhood. Well, and that's the spin on it. You might have a you disclose that to a, a potential buyer, and they might say, "Awesome, I like the party till three in the morning too." <laughs> and now it's a feature, right? So it you know, Denny, see how we spin those things. We- oh, it's amazing, silver lining. Uh, Chris, hang on, we're going to take a break here. We have more real estate okay. show to come. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our real estate show here on 830 WCCO. We're talking, among other things, about uh, disclosure issues and uh, welcoming your phone calls. We've got a lot of text messages, uh, guys. Chris is on the horn, and he's here. With, uh, in fact, for those maybe joined us a little bit late, uh, Chris and Andy, why don't you uh, uh, tell us about our special guest today and how do we get in touch with him? Well, Anton Cheskis is at uh, PriorLikeLaw.com is a agent or a partner in there. And uh, what is the Anton? Your your email is what AC at PriorLikeLaw.com. You got it. How about a phone number to get a hold of you? Sure, nine five two four four seven two one three one, or email me AC at PriorLikeLaw.com. All right, very good. I, we've got text messages. Let's see if we can't field a couple of them before we run out of time. Uh, is there any recourse against a seller who filled out a disclosure form, failed to disclose information, but the seller used a relocation company to facilitate the sale, and the relocation mm. company included an as-is addendum as part of the sale? That's the question. That's a great question. So, again, I think we're getting into the misconception of a warranty versus a disclosure, Right. You're selling, you know, an as-is addendum, again, generally, um, to me, sounds like, you know, there's no warranties here. You know, what you, what you get is what you get. Um, seller still has, you know, an obligation to disclose material facts that they know that could adversely and significantly affect your use and enjoyment of the property. So if, they, if the seller did a disclosure form and they left out, you know, any specific type of disclosure that they knew of, think you've got some recourse there. If not through the disclosure form, then certainly through a fraud um, action. So, so what we're seeing, Denny, this is, I've actually had this happen yeah. where you have a buyer, you go out, you see this beautiful house and they've, the, you name the big company, they, they bought that house out from that client and move them to their next, you know, needed location. Yeah. That house now they say is corporate owned and they fall under the corporate owned and that's where they're doing this disclosure alternatives or they're doing as is addendums and they're basically saying that we don't know anything. Our executive has been moved and they moved on with life. Now you're dealing with big corporate America and we're saying that we know nothing about this property. But here's what's crazy. Most of those companies require home inspections. This is an interesting part of the law because I've dealt on both sides of relocation. Most relocation companies require home inspections, and they also require that house to be gone through with a fine-tooth comb to know exactly what's right or wrong with that house. But then they put out the disclosure alternative or the as-is addendum and just say, we're not going to address these issues. Hmm. So, again, the law absolutely allows the seller to opt out of making any disclosure they want or just about any disclosure they want other than those specific methamphetamine production or the specific ones that we talked about. And if they want to do that, they certainly can, mm-hmm. as long as the buyer agrees in writing, you know, and that's when the buyer's due diligence should absolutely kick in. 
because you've got to know what you're buying before you buy it, especially in those circumstances. So I, I just what I've done in the past is I ask the listing agent, I'll say, hey, did you guys have a home inspection on the property? Did you guys have any kind of uh, things that happened with the property? It's interesting to hear. Oh, I had nothing to do with it, you know, or or they say, uh, yeah, uh, well, this is what we find. You know? So anyway, there's there's ways to get around that. You know, there's asking questions is the key. Yeah, it's a great point. Ask the listing agent because the agent yeah. can't uh, waive that same um, disclosure obligation. All right. Here's kind of a late question, I guess. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, what does a seller have to disclose about invasive species when they sell lake property? Mm. About invasive species. And that yeah. does not include neighbors. <laughs> Back to that. Uh, yeah. In the lake? Is that the question? I, or? I would assume. Okay. Um, I mean, because I've seen, you know, I've seen disclosure cases where there's been a rodent infestation in the property that wasn't disclosed. Um, that's, I mean, that's a pretty big and blatant one that I would certainly want to know if I had a uh, mouse or shrew infestation in my home. But as far as in the lake goes, um, I think that uh, I don't know that. Off let's the top of my let's head. say milfoil or zebra mussels. I think yeah. that's what I'm hearing. Oh, that's sure. You know, that's you know what I mean. That's what the because. Here, here's the fear of everybody that owns Lakeshore right now. What's going to happen? You know, because they, they say these zebra mussels come in and they, you know, literally the water will get clean or clearer because they're filter feeding everything out of the water. The fish population goes down. The milfoil starts growing. And you have a basically a big, clean bowl of, of weeds that you live on now. And, and how is that going to affect the property value in the future, I think, is everybody's fear. So I, this is an interesting topic because I think we're just starting to see what's going to happen with that, with property values and with disclosures um, in the near future. You know, and the lawyer in me would say err on the side of overdisclosure. You mm-hmm. know, again, this is not a warranty by any means. This is you've got an obligation to, to make a disclosure um, of what you know that could impact uh, this new person that's coming into your property. And once you've done that, you've fulfilled your obligation. It's now on to the buyer. And, and, you know, Anton, they they have right in the fine print of everything is they go to the WW, you know, MinCar, or they're not MinCar, the uh, the incarceration site to see if there's any sexual predators on your site. So you as a seller are fulfilling your obligation to disclose by having that website disclosed. Is it the same thing with going to the, like the DNR link to the DNR website for your lake? Is that going to be the same situation? It it could, you know, I I think... um, you know, that's certainly one way you could do it. Say, hey, here's the link. Check on the lake yourself. Do your own research. Um, yeah, especially if, if your property has not been, you know, specifically impacted yeah. by that. Yeah. Hmm. All right. And Andy, what Andy's talking about is that we we don't, there's a link that we don't have to disclose if there's sexual predators in the neighborhood, but we have to give them the information to go find that out themselves. Right, sure. and but we're still obligated as agents if we know that there is. We're, we're we are not waived of that as well, correct, Anton? Well, the seller's correct, and then the excuse me, the agent's correct, and then the sellers also have certain things that they specifically do not have to disclose, like right. if there was a death or suicide in the house, or if there's suspected paranormal activity. Um, you know, there's a couple of specific things in the statute that uh, you you do not have to disclose. Mm. Say quickly, Anton, what, are, what do you see the sellers making the biggest mistakes on their disclosure statement that's getting them in trouble? Well, certainly uh, leaving, in, leaving something off completely or under-disclosing, but specifically uh, the water intrusion is a really big one. Um, and it usually with houses that are sold late fall um, or in the winter, you know, I get those calls every April and May where you know, the, they bought the house over the winter and now the house, the basement leaks like a sieve. Um, and that becomes problematic, one, because it's hard to catch, and two, because water leads to mold, and that can mm-hmm. grow very quickly, and that can turn a minor problem um, into a very expensive um, problem. <laughs> the other ones um, I see just kind of run the gamut, roof damage, HVAC issues, sewer backup issues. Um, you know, it 
you name it, I think. Um, I always, it, you know, and, and to add into that, you know, not from the, from the human element of it, you, you go to the guy that's standing outside looking at you when you're showing the house who's being the nosy neighbor. You go talk to them. They probably know more than you'd ever want to know about that house, the history, what they've had done to it, that, boy, there's always a HVAC truck out front. Neighbors tell it all. It's it to the point of where it's almost to your to your harm as a detriment as a seller. But you know, and on the flip side too, I had a used car salesman once tell me once that there's no such thing as a used car factory. You know, it's the same thing for houses. You're buying a used house. You're buying a house that the roof isn't brand new. You know, the HVAC isn't brand new. So these are all things that, as a buyer, you've got to take into consideration if you're going to take on that risk of that particular house. Guys, we are just about out of time. Anton, great to meet you. It was a great show. It was a fun show. Well, Come thanks. back. We'll thanks for having again. me. Yes. Absolutely. And uh, Chris, we'll see you down the road, right? How do we get in touch yeah. with you guys now? Yeah, you can always reach me at chrisrooney.com or 952-226-6699. And prasky.com, 763-433-0850. Anta, how do we get in touch with you? Priorlakelaw.com, 952-447-2131. We got all the numbers in. We'll have another show next week here on 830-WCC. I hope you can join us then. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.